0: on today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now, here is our host, Joyce Buford.
1: Good morning. I'm very happy that you're with us today because you are going to learn some wonderful information from our guest. You're going to really be excited what is out there for our young women and you, as mothers or aunts or uncles. Oh, probably aunts. <laughs> Can, mm-hmm. share with your young girls and your family, and also learn some stuff for yourself. But before we start, I want to say a special thanks to my uh, supporter and advertiser, Hello Fresh. You know, I am sort of new to Hello Fresh, but I have loved it. It is amazing business, just to tell you what it is if you've not heard of Hello Fresh. It's an amazing business that delivers delicious shelf. Chef Curated Recipes. They're based on farm-fresh ingredients, and they come to your doorstep. So for the busy, busy women that we are, this is a wonderful solution. Now, each meal, what's so wonderful, each meal comes with the exact ingredients, and then you follow a simple menu that the chef has prepared and directions, and in a minute you've got your meal in 30 minutes. I have loved being part of this uh, process, so I hope that you will consider being part of the HelloFresh family. Now, right now, you can receive $35 off your first week of meals delivered to your house by going to HelloFresh.com and use my code, my name, Joyce, and you will get your $35 off your very first week. So, again, HelloFresh.com, use the code J-O-Y-C-E, and get $35 off your purchase. You're going to love this. Now, moving to our guest today, I want you to know about this amazing woman. She is a former executive in investment management investment relations and real estate banking her name is missy lavender she is the founder of chicago-based nonprofit hello a women's health foundation that was created in 2004 to promote pelvic health and wellness she is a national speaker On this subject of pelvic health, and has been featured in numerous press outlets, prints, radio, and television. Recently, she was featured as one of Chicago's top 100 women of inspiration. She's been in today's Chicago Women's Magazine. She is the author of two books You Go Baby, but Only When You Want To. Isn't that a great title? And then she says, you go, baby, but only when you want to, senior edition. So, for you out there that are listening, I want you to know this amazing lady, not only is she totally full and involved in her work, but she's also a mother of two teenage children and a dog lover, two
2: Portuguese water dogs.
1: So, with that entrance, my goodness, Missy, welcome, to the show.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Joyce. Appreciate it.
1: Yes. Well, you have made a big transition in your life. What brought that on?
2: You know, I have a 17, almost 18-year-old son, mm-hmm. and I like to say that he launched my career <laughs> because his birth was really challenging, and I did not know a lot of things about what might happen to your body after pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, his labor and delivery was so interestingly um, long and challenging that I got to make some choices about how he was born that led me to have quite a few things going on below the belt that I didn't anticipate. Ah, Yeah, Yeah. and the good news is in about four months when I couldn't get rid of this big, huge pad they'd sent me home from the hospital with, I made... Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh I made one great call to my girlfriend who was a psychiatrist and I begged her to give me an antidepressant and she said, you know, I know you think you need this, but what you really need to do is go see this amazing urogynecologist. And I went, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Didn't know what that was. Didn't know what she was even talking about. But when I went to see this woman who's world class and phenomenal and amazing and she said to me, I look like half of her patients at 40. I almost fell off of her table.
1: Oh, and you were you were how old?
2: 40 at the time.
1: At the time you had your baby?
2: I know. I'm, a, I'm really? an old mom club mom. Oh,
1: my <laughs> goodness. yeah 40 42. Yeah.
2: So that's a great point because, you know, she went on to tell me that maternal age is a huge risk factor for pelvic floor disorders, which is what she told me I had. And all I knew is oh. I was leaking and pa- sex uh-huh. was painful and things felt like they were falling and my back hurt. And... She's like, yep, you know, all of those things during that delivery, episiotomy, forceps, long second-stage labor, you know, they sent you mm. here. Mm. So I, well. being a grumpy patient, Joyce, I decided I didn't want any other women to be surprised like that. Um, right. And yeah. the more I learned about what she was telling me about how many tens of millions of women have even one of these conditions that I was suffering from, I thought, this is just not right. hmm uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So we started Women's Health Foundation to really see what we could do to change that. Right. Now,
1: now was the Health Foundation already started, or did you start it out of this journey that you were on?
2: No, I started it out of this journey, um, and this Dr. Linda Brubaker here in Chicago was my kind of initial sounding board, advisory board, and and. Because she's so well connected in the research side, she started putting me in touch with all these other luminaries. Uh, Most of them women, not all of them, but, you know, nurses and urogynecologists and urologists and um, pelvic floor physical therapists and people that really showed me what was out there as far as issues. And then Mm -hmm. we started brainstorming, you know, what we could do to change that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it is something, and I speak as well for myself, that it's an area we don't really think about. It's just um, until it starts giving us trouble. And exactly. all of us, I think it's our attention, doesn't it? <laughs>
2: yes, yes. And, and Joyce, I love that you brought that up because things below the belt don't usually kill you, right? These conditions, right. you know, whether you're leaking, bleeding, or even in chronic pain, you kind of go through your life. And, and unfortunately, a lot of women sit there and think, well, this is just a normal part of whatever, you know, being yes. a woman, having a yeah. baby, getting older. Maybe they've been told by their health care provider, I hear this a lot, oh, you're just fat, you just need to lose weight, or right. you've had a baby, or you're just getting older. And they feel isolated and, and don't know that these conditions are actual medical conditions and there's many things they can do.
1: Mm. Now are those primarily covered in your senior edition of the you go girl? Uh,
2: no, they are covered in everything we do, Joyce, because Oh, everything. You can be a young college athlete and oh. when you run or pole vault or dance or do gymnastics, you can leak urine when you don't want to. That's called stress incontinence. Oh. So isn't that's a wonderful myth that I just want to bust right here on your show. This is not an old person's issue. Right. Um, age is one of those factors, but, mm-hmm. you, you know, nuns, there's a wonderful study on nuns that have never had children that just have issues below the belt. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Right. Uh,
2: it's more prevalent when we age, let's just say that. So that right. may be the first time women start to experience it, but it's not just because they're older.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, both my children are adopted, so mm. I'm one of those nuns,
2: <laughs> yeah, sort
1: of so, and have some of these symptoms so yeah,
2: we there you go I mean, very prevalent think, right, if you think about it as you age, you know a couple of things happen first of all, you've been vertical a long time, <laughs> yeah, and things are starting to fall
1: mm-hmm. um
2: And one of the reasons they're falling is because estrogen levels are thinning, tissues are getting thinner, um, things can't necessarily hold closed as tightly as they once were. That's a factor. Um, Gravity, again, is not our friend. But Mm -hmm. these muscles, you know, the pelvic floor muscles, this whole group of wonderful muscles that are at the bottom of our pelvis, have been working a long, long time to keep things closed and in position. And mm-hmm. unless you're in communion with them, as we say, and working with them, they're going to be out of shape just like your biceps were would be if you never lifted a dumbbell. Right. So you've got all those things, and then whether you've had children or not, um, they can start to experience um you know, really, things that you don't like, like things right. starting to fall or things starting to leak when you don't want them to, whether it's urine or stool or gas. I mean, there's there's just a whole plethora of things that can happen, but you yeah. can do things about it.
1: Yeah, there's specific exercises and things like that that you can do to prevent mm-hmm. that. Is that right?
2: More there's so
1: than just you... going to the gym for a routine.
2: Absolutely. So we yeah. always say. You have, you have three powerful groups of muscles that we like to talk about, and they're featured in all of our work. So it's called the Pelvic Pyramid, and it was coined in the 80s by a wonderful physiotherapist in Canada, Diane Lee, who actually is a lumbopelvic pain physiotherapist. So she doesn't do internal work like a pelvic floor physical therapist might, but she was noticing that all of her patients, whether they were coming in for neck pain or hip pain or whatever, had one of three muscles that were weak, either the deepest, abdominals called your transverse abdominals Mm -hmm. your deepest back muscles called your multifidi or your pelvic floor Mm -hmm. and she said wow if this core this center of all centers is not engaged correctly then other things have to take over and unfortunately not all of them are qualified to take over yeah so that can result in pain so you have to really engage with these deep core, but what most choice of people are doing when they go to the gym is when they do core work, mm-hmm. they think front and back. Mm. And they're, they're neglecting the rest of it, which is the pelvic floor muscles. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So you might have heard of kegels or kegels. Yeah. You can actually, mm-hmm. either one is pronounced correctly. Yeah. I mean, that is engaging that set of pelvic floor exercises, uh, pelvic floor muscles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a very smart German doctor in the 30s said, wow, what happens to women when they do these regularly? And he did start with women, but they help mm-hmm. men too.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, it, was, it wasn't rocket science, but when you work these muscles, different things are able to be supported and held closed and lift up and in. And um, so they're helpful for stopping um, Things like stress incontinence, they can help that got-to-go, got-to-go feeling calm down. They can help when things start to fall. It's called prolapse. It mm-hmm. can actually both stop the decline of things and also improve those symptoms. So it's a really useful yeah. set of exercises to know about.
1: Well, it was interesting when I was uh, reading your book that I, I was like the, you know, your book is targeted at a specific age group this new Mm -hmm. book, the new book, which is called Below the Belt, Below Mm -hmm. Your Belt.
2: Below Your Belt. Mm -hmm.
1: And um, it was co-authored with two other women. And how did you decide to go to work with these? Were they colleagues or uh, the research, aren't they?
2: Well, uh, the first thing we always do, Joyce, when we are going to create any new programs is we do a research study, and we say, okay, wonder what it's like for girls in this case. Uh Um, We looked at high school girls, so girls 14 to 17, we had a long-standing hypothesis that in our country and many, many other countries, young girls kind of push their pelvises over to the side figuratively as this kind of icky place that they have to deal with once right. a month, right? <laughs> yes. And you think think about how we talk about our periods. You know, this is a celebration oh. of womanhood, but it's, you know, we're on the rag or we've got the curse yeah. or yeah. It's, it's not a monthly like. Yay, get my period.
1: (laughs) Right, so true. It is so so true.
2: (laughs) And the problem is if you push it over here and you ignore it for 30 years, it's going to show up in a way you don't like. Mm -hmm. And because we're women, we have so many experiences in your pelvis or below your belt. I mean, sexuality obviously starts there. Um, Reproduction potentially. Menopause if you live long enough. I mean, you know, it's the structural, you know, top meets bottom. There's so yeah. many centers there that it's no wonder that women would show up at our program for any age group and go, oh my gosh, I've hit 30 or I've had a baby or I've hit 50 and, you know, it's starting to run slash ruin my life.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. So we went into, into these high schools in Chicago and we taught, we assessed what the girls knew using, you know, validated instruments. We they knew nothing. That wasn't surprising. <laughs> <laughs> and over six weeks, you know, it's kind of uh, go kind ahead. See,
1: but... I was thinking. I'm sorry. I was just thinking. You could probably even give it to older women, 50, uh, and they'd still yeah. have some questions.
2: Well, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly, Joyce. Amazing. And, and then we taught them, you know, six weeks, you know, of material, and it was really basic. You know, pelvic anatomy, and yeah. these are some of the things that you know, you can do for yourself and hygiene and bladder health, bowel health. I mean, the missing things that happen to girls when they even have, these girls, a lot of them didn't have health education in their school. So we were really starting with, here's your period. This is why you have one. This is what happens, Mm -hmm. which was a a big light bulb moment. But then we wanted to introduce the rest of it because we know to your point that many of the grown-ups in their life were not taught much about any of these topics. Certainly... The last time, if you think about it, you were taught bladder-embolished, you know, tips, you were three, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Trying to get yeah. into your big-girl pants and yeah. get the big-girl room. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so true. So you have a whole lifetime of opportunity to maybe create bad habits or have been told things by your grown-ups that aren't helpful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the girls... learned a lot. That, again, wasn't surprising, but what was really startling to us, and this is why we wrote that, the book you're talking about, Below Uh Your Belt, How to Be Queen of Your Pelvic Region, is 46% of them, Joyce, already at that average age of 14 years old, had chronic symptoms of all of these conditions we've been talking about. Oh, my goodness. I know. Oh. And, you know, some of it yeah. was behavioral. You could see, while well, if you don't go to the bathroom all day because you think the bathrooms are disgusting, yeah. you're going to have issues with your bladder and your bowels. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But other ones, you know, I mean, we're, were some of them were cultural. Some of them were just the fact that we know some of these conditions start young. So we wanted yeah. to get ahead of that. That's why that book is written for a slightly different younger audience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I honestly... I learned a couple things. Oh, and, and what And I'm you learn? over 60. So <laughs> I'm not proud of it. But anyway, it's the no, fact. I think I, it's the fact that we don't get all the information. We just kind of learn it as we go.
2: That's right. And, you know, we can't blame everything on our moms and our no. caregivers. <laughs> but there is a, you know, it's a transference through the generations. and. Yes. Especially a lot of our girls were low-income girls. They were um, Latina and African-American. Uh-huh. Um, and there are some real cultural issues. I mean, the few studies that are out there on on girls and periods, for example, um, if, show that if you're taught that your period is going to hurt, for example, which is very prevalent among a lot of different groups, guess what? It hurts more. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and if you're told by your mom, do not sit down on that toilet seat. It is disgusting when you're out and about. Yes, yes. You're going to start hovering. Yes. That is not a good thing.
1: Right. Yeah. So
2: it, it's not it, – we did actually mindfully create the book to be potentially read to the girls. So it the mm. targeted age group is 10 to 14.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, hopefully – there are some moms or caregivers or even dads, right, because dads Mm -hmm. take care of little girls too, Mm -hmm. you know, reading this book along with their little girl. And that's the ability to get things sneakily upstream is something we always keep in mind.
1: Right. Well, I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, Missy, about the subtle messages that Mm -hmm. those young girls get that Mm -hmm. says, I'm not pretty, I'm not... um, Quality when they when they're introduced to these new things happening, it's like I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, I'm damaged goods now because I'm starting to have these symptoms. That's right. And we don't want them to have those messages. So
2: no, and they don't
1: see it's so powerful. Yeah,
2: right. And they don't often, Joyce, know even where to go with it. I mean, their moms and aunts and grandmothers and anybody else doesn't know it either. Mm -hmm. or if they're in a culture where talking about things below the belt maybe insinuates that they're having sex, that shuts them down completely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we talk about this material as pre-sex ed. There's Mm -hmm. nothing controversial about bladder health and bowel health, Um, hygiene, you know, muscles and structures, your periods. Mm -hmm. Um, So we always say we compliment everyone and compete with no one, but we... We want these girls to. I mean, the, the point you just said is so so powerful because we did show the girls learned a lot, but what they felt and how they experienced their bodies was unbelievably powerful. Mm. You know, just yeah. owning this really critical part of their body in a different way is is important. I mean, oh, it if is. we.
1: Yeah, yeah, I so agree.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. We always talk about it as the center of all centers, and, you know, how could you ignore something if you thought about it as, you know, five things in one, you know, structural, sexual, digestive, reproductive, energetic, if you're into chakras. I mean, mm-hmm. there's too much here to ignore, and so what if we taught our little girls that message? What if we taught our big girls that message? Mm-hmm. Um it really does mean that you can't ignore, you have to take care of, you have to name, you have to feed. You have, I mean, all these, all these positive messages are possible.
1: Right. So, how do you target getting this book and the information in the book out to this audience?
2: So, over the last year, the book was published in October. We've been blessed to have it get five literary awards. So, in oh, book publishing awards. Yeah. Wonderful right which is really exciting and we've gotten some PR around that um we've gotten it to schools and libraries and grown-ups around the country but you know it's self-published by our foundation so um it's kind of you know tr- the trickle effect happening but you know we've we've definitely sold books but we've also looked at this is a really meaty book there's a t- 300 plus illustrations it's very easy to pick it up look at a yeah. page get something put it down we know that – so we've done several things to chop it up into booklets and pamphlets, and we've created a whole line of LGBTQ-appropriate um, pamphlets to reach that target audience, for example.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and we've distributed things through um, health care providers and clinics, people like Planned Parenthood, um, different organizations that, that reach these audiences. Yeah. But mostly puberty health because it is younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're right now. We started another um, company, a social enterprise called Below Your Belt. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly, um, in December of last year, and we've got a, a, a campaign right now to raise the funds through a crowdsourcing platform called I Fund Women, mm-hmm. and we are taking the material from both that book that you've mentioned and a, even a, a fourth book called Riding the Potty Train which is Better Bathroom Behaviors for Little Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're working on creating creating something that will bring this material to life for little girls and their grown-ups. And as you know, you, if you have young children around you or younger girls around you, you know that most of their life is spent in front of a 4-inch screen. Right. Mm-hmm. Or 6-inch screen or 12-inch <laughs> <Yeah>. screen.
1: So,
2: yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're working very hard on the technology around this right now.
1: So do they uh, – so have you been speaking – you, when you're speaking, are you speaking to women's groups, um, mm-hmm. conferences, institutions? I mean, how are you getting the message out? How are you focusing it?
2: All of the above. I mean, historically, I've, I do a lot of public speaking to women's groups, to schools, to um, different conferences, um, different – uh, partner organizations that that we have worked with over the years. Yeah. Now we're targeting, you know, really focusing on this, you know, mother-daughter space
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, and putting time and effort into mommy bloggers and events that are mother-daughter focused.
1: Yeah. Well, this is so interesting to know how. I know there are mothers like myself. Mine are older. But mm-hmm. I know there are mothers out there that are wanting to, be able to spread this in their community. How mm-hmm. can we get started with this message? Because we all we all can identify with the fact that it is needed now. Um, mm-hmm. it's been needed for a long time. But right. it's wonderful that you have gone ahead and pursued this. Mm-hmm. So Thank you. when we come back from our um break, I'd like to talk about maybe some of the areas that you, um, how you get this to, how my listeners can get this to their communities so that they can spread the good word.
0: Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break.
3: Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this
0: segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford.
1: We are having a, a really, really interesting, fascinating talk with Missy Lavender today, who is the founder of Women's Health Foundation in the Chicago non uh, nonprofit based uh, organization. It is focused at pelvic health and wellness. So, Missy... Um, yes, Joyce. When you decided to write this book, and I'm, I'm going to go over just a few of the, it's so cleverly written because it is targeted at girls between 10 and 14, mm-hmm. but the message is uh, it's almost ageless because right. it talks about uh, welcome to the fel- pelvis, so you talk about the pelvis region, you mm-hmm. talk about bladder health, bowel mm-hmm. health. Pelvic pyramid muscles, Mm -hmm. pelvic fitness. I mean, it just goes through. It even goes into the menstrual and the tale about ovulation. Mm -hmm. It goes into so many subjects that um, it's just a good, almost a primer for women.
2: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I mean, anybody that has, you know, girl parts, as we say, you know, needs to understand this really critical part of their body. And Through no fault of their, their own, if they're older, you know, like I'm, you know, in my fifties, it's like I didn't go through a lot of this stuff with my mom and, right. you know, maybe she didn't know it. Maybe she wasn't comfortable. Um, and we wanted to create this environment that would maybe have a conversation or allow conversation between a grown up and a girl, whether that's an educator or, um, a healthcare provider or even, you know, the, the mom or dad or, or, caretaker because unfortunately mm-hmm. it's not always the case that even the healthcare providers are knowledgeable or talking about this this region unless no, things definitely. show up.
1: Well yeah. do they have a challenge there in being able to talk about this to a student?
2: If you're a teacher and an educator, yes, I think there's a lot of um, uncomfortableness about things below the belt and that right. stigma and that taboo, starts really young, um, as you said earlier. It's, you know, pooping and peeing, for example, is not like cocktail t- talk unless you're with me. <laughs> 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 I talk about everything. <laughs> um, Love it, Missy. <laughs> but when it's, you know, when it's not going well down there, it's all you think about. Yes. Right?
1: Yeah. So, it is. You walk in the room, and you, if you have an urge or something, it just it shadows the whole experience.
2: That's right. That's you know, right. I mean, you have it's a That's right. Mm-hmm. And you know, whether again, it's bladder, ball, painful periods, whatever it is. I mm-hmm. mean, these things can consume your existence and your spirit. Yes. And we want to make sure that that girls and their grown ups know that first of all, this is not normal. You know, it's not mm-hmm. normal to leak when you don't want to. It's not normal to be constantly in pain below the belt. It's not normal to have periods that go on forever and ever, or are so debilitatingly painful that you want to stay out of school. Yeah. And, you know, you have to know that that's not not normal. It might be common. That's the thing we always say. It's common but not normal. And then, you know, what do you do? Where do you go? How do you, you know, what do you do if you get dismissed by somebody that says, oh, you know, that's just what happens? Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. tough. It's really tough mm-hmm. for a lot of women.
1: Yeah. So is it starting with your book? Is that the step, big step in solution, because I can see a young girl could just go to a clinic, which a young girl, 10 or 14, would have a difficult time, I think, doing that on her own, um, right. but if they were to take that step to try and get help, it may be that they're also faced with the same answers that they might have gotten at home. you well, I- would hope it be different, but...
2: Right. I, I think it. I think it is different. I just don't think when you go to your pediatrician, you know, I have a 15 year old daughter and you know a, a son who's older, but they're going through the typical chest checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not always asking, you know, how are your bladder habits? You know, do you go to the bathroom right. at school? Right. Um, are you having a bowel movement regularly? Well, what does regularly mean? Right. Um, and even the pediatric urologists that are, that are on our advisory board, you know, they say all the time, you know, this stuff is, we talk about it every day, but people don't necessarily prioritize it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, Joyce, that I've been so fascinated to learn over the last, um, actually been doing girl work since 2011, mm-hmm. is that these issues—if a young girl starts experiencing things like chronic constipation or leaking when she doesn't want to, or nighttime, you know, bedwetting—it mm-hmm. doesn't go away. These things follow them into adulthood, which shouldn't be surprising if we think about it, um, because a lot of it has to do with habits and and diet and exercise. But we're not necessarily focusing on that right now as a community. And mm-hmm. but I know because of things that we're involved with at the National Institute of Health level, I know some of this is going to be brought to light over the next, you know, four-plus years.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, this research is fairly new since it's from 2004 that you really started your foundation, and I'm right. assuming research. But do right. we find an increase because of our eating habits and our food and our, all of that? that do we see an increase? Is there a way of knowing if this is becoming an even
2: bigger problem for women? Great question. I mean mm-hmm. there uh, any numbers I could quote you, Joyce, you know, one in two women, one in three, mm-hmm. one in four, one in seven on any of these conditions we know are under reported. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're all old. I mean all the data that that we talk about are old. Um but what we do know, one of my most fascinating studies, when I'm trying to get people's attention, for example, in Washington, who really don't know why they should care about anything, yeah, right. I say, do you know that one condition, you ever heard of that gotta go, gotta go thing, which mm. everybody's seen those commercials? Right. That, that costs the healthcare system $66.9 billion annually in direct and indirect medical expenses. That is staggering. That's mm. that's like a small country. Yeah, but that's just one of these big conditions below the belt that can happen, and and. So if you really took a look at that choice and you wanted to bend the cost curve, yeah. I always say you've got to acknowledge this part of your body. You've got to acknowledge it as a healthcare provider, as a legislator, as a as a grown-up, as whatever. Um it it occupies too much of our time, too much of our money, too much mm-hmm. of our spirits to be mm-hmm. ignored. So a lot of what we do is just rattle trees and you know, <laughs> yeah. and try to come up with ways that that make it more seductive.
1: Yeah yeah well it's, it's it's smart to go through the money because once you talk to the money then particularly mm-hmm. in that arena it's um mm-hmm. uh, you get your message across
2: for sure you do you do i mean it's um you know you have to like i said think about ways that can get people to care and um the good news is most of these conditions don't kill you but as i say then they ruin your life. They mm-hmm. if you're leaking, you're not going to jump on the treadmill. And then if you don't jump on the treadmill even if your doctor tells you to start walking, then you get more out of sh- shape and overweight and then you get diabetic and then you get hypertensive and then you get heart disease. So where's the chicken? Yeah. And where's the egg?
1: <laughs> so does walking just walking help this condition?
2: It doesn't necessarily help the condition, but it's a really great question, Joyce, because there's a wonderful, two now, wonderful NIH funded studies. Mm-hmm. Um, one's called the PRIDE study. The first one looked at um, women that were um, high enough uh, body mass index that they would be considered obese. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the study, they lost a little bit of weight, average of about 8% of their body weight. Well, the great news is their bladder control symptoms improved. So that that's, that's interesting, but we know that, that obesity is one of the big five causes of urinary incontinence, as it's called, leaking when yeah. you don't want to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But what was more interesting to me when I interviewed, we actually gave the head researcher, Dr. Leslie Subak, out of UC San, um, San Francisco, we gave her our top medical act, uh, um, activist award that year. She said to me, Missy, you know what was really interesting to me is that as a motivator to lose weight, having their bladder control symptoms improve was more motivating to these women than, Oh, by the way, if you didn't lose weight, you might die sooner. So that's a great bandwagon to jump on. If we're trying to, I mean, we've been trying to motivate women, women and men to lose weight by saying, you know, eat less, move more for years. But you know, if this is a primary driver, then we should be publicizing it a lot. Mm
1: Yeah. Well, when I, I have to, I, I was just fascinated, and I and I'm not kidding. I did learn some things that I was totally unaware that I was doing. So mm-hmm. I know the younger young lady out there. I mean, you know, it's fertile soil. You can you can right. change it early because they haven't created the habits.
2: Right? Can you I know, tell you a great story about that? I'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> When we were doing one of our studies in 2005, I had this wonderful woman come grab me after class. I mean, We have this total control program that's an education and, and fitness program. She's like, Missy, I, I, I have to tell, tell you this. I've got this problem. I'm like, Linda, what is it? Well, when I go to the bathroom, I spray urine everywhere, and it gets, gets everything wet in my clothes, and it's really a problem. I went, really? Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and there Usually that doesn't happen. I mean, right. Anatomically, we have things that help direct the urine. But yeah. I thought about it for a second. And I said, wait a minute. Are you, is this happening all the time? She said, no, 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 just when I'm out in public. And I said to her, Linda, are you sitting down on the toilet seat when you go to the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, she says. My mother would kill me if I did that. Yes. And I went, oh, my goodness. You are in this study. You know that hovering is not your friend. Mm-hmm. But... What do we tell our little girls when they go out in public? Don't sit on that toilet seat. It is nasty.
1: Yes. Right? Yes.
2: Right. Oh, okay. So let's just, let's just talk about hovering for a minute. So how comfortable do you think your body is, let alone your pelvic floor, when you're crouched and squatting over a toilet seat? I'm not talking about squatting, squatting like they do in some countries. I'm talking right. about hovering.
1: Covering, yes.
2: It it is not not a relaxing position.
1: Mm -mm. No.
2: No. No, your inner thighs are clenching. Your pelvic floor has got to stay engaged because it supports all of that activity. Yes. Well, the problem is, Joyce, when you you have the opportunity to have that luxurious two minutes in the bathroom because we say sit and take two, (laughs) we want you to actually sit down. If you have to keep it neat and make a seat, use the toilet paper, line it. We all know from 2020 and lots of news sources that even if there's urine on that toilet seat, it is not as dirty, frankly, as the floor of the bathroom. So sitting down. Letting your pelvic floor relax, letting your bladder fully contract allows you to get all the urine out of your bladder. Mm-hmm. And that helps prevent that feeling in 20 more minutes that you have to go to the bathroom again. Well, yeah. you know, you still may have urine in there and you still may need to. And that prob- that sends you to the bathroom again. You go again. It creates this cycle of frequency and urgency that's called overactive bladder. Yeah. And that's the thing that costs us $66.9 billion. <laughs>
1: Right and wow. affects
2: you know one in three of us, so yeah. by the time we're a grown up yeah. so that starts early
1: well, you talked about another uh, situation that arises, and you call it uh, just in case yeah so that's, if you that's big
2: it is it happens to it, a lot of women. That's right, and it kind of follows this same discussion. So the other thing that we tell ourselves and our daughters um, Mm -hmm. is, oh, oh, we're at Target. Let's just use the bathroom here because you never know when there's going to be another one. Yeah. Or we're going on a long car ride, and if you've got a little girl, I mean, I had to be very mindful about this. Mm. We always say to them, just just try to go. Just go in case.
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: You know, with our little boys, we just pull over to the side of the road. They jump out of the car. They go to the bathroom. Boom, they're done.
1: Yes, yeah, little we'll easier. But
2: we don't <laughs> want to do that. And the problem is, when you give the bladder the opportunity to go when it's not fully full and really needing to go, mm-hmm. it starts to play with the power struggle. <laughs> I mean, oh. normally it's brain over bladder. Brain says, "Hey, you're on this call. You cannot go to the bathroom, even if you need to. You got to hang out." And the bladder goes, "Okay, fine." But you know, for whatever reason, for a lot of reasons that we frankly don't fully understand, we know that the connection between brain and bladder starts to get messed up when the bladder is able to go when it doesn't have to, when it's not fully. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It's that frequency we just talked about. So if you're going to the bathroom and you still, you know, you're not fully, you know, full, mm-hmm. it, it goes, wait, hold on, that was interesting. I think I'll try that again. And you start getting into these cycles of frequency and urgency. Mm-hmm. So we like to say to girls and their grown-ups, you know, your bladder can hold on average about two cups of urine. And it'll start to signal at about one cup or halfway full that it has to go. And most of us can ignore that first sign of urge. Mm-hmm. So if you have a little girl, the average the average time between a, a grown-up needing to go to the bathroom is three to four hours. Oh,
1: that's yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah. So... Most of the time, you get, you'll get a signal in about 90 minutes or an hour and a half or so, and mm-hmm. it'll say, Oh, I think I have to go to the bathroom. And you just like, you know, hang out, change, you know, change your internal brain, go focus on something else, and wait a little while. Now, little girls' bladders are smaller and they grow they get bigger. So it might be every two hours if they're young. Mm-hmm. But as a mom, the best thing you can do is to really be mindful of the timing. Um, and hmm. say, okay, well, sweetie, you know, it's been—I mean, my daughter was a camel. I had to really track. it had been three hours. You have to go to the bathroom because you don't want—you <laughs> don't want to be a camel and hold it too mm-hmm. long either. That mm-hmm. risks infection.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, I'm looking at the page that says the potty pledge.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I may—I may—I quote the potty pledge. Please. You probably know it by heart. I, I will wipe front to back. I will mm-hmm. sit all the way down on the potty, even if that means building a nest, which mm-hmm. is used of toilet paper. Mm-hmm. I will practice the rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I will stop just in case peeing. Mm-hmm. I will drink water. I will treasure, honor, and love my pelvis, and most of all, love myself. <laughs> love it.
2: Thank you. We like the big girls to take that potty pledge, too. I <laughs> know.
1: <laughs> I think I'm going to put it up on my wall.
2: <laughs> oh, I want you to. Thank you. And, and if we actually have that as one of the giveaways for our iFundWomen um, uh, crowdsourcing. Is, and my nephew gave me some money as, a, as my Christmas present for Christmas. He pledged to the campaign. He's like, I want my potty Wonderful. pledge. I want you to send it to me. So he's at Stanford. I'm like, absolutely. Put it up in your bathroom.
1: All right. Is that on the website?
2: It's it's on ifundwomen.com, but there's a link on our website for sure to this campaign, for sure.
1: Oh, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Now, if I have a listener out there, and I know there are those that have daughters, they mm-hmm. want to know how to get this started or yeah. um, how they can be part of educating not only their daughters, but the daughters in their community. Sure. How does one start?
2: Well, the first thing would be to get a hold of a copy of our book. So, get below your belt. You can get it. Our website is belowyourbelt.org or belowyourbelt.org.
1: Yeah, that org. Yeah, that's important. (laughs) I tried Mm -hmm. .com and it wasn't working. (laughs) No, no,
2: no. Totally different. Okay. Yes. So go there, um, and we will have. You know, as I said, we're working on a technology platform, so how to bring this material to life on in an app or a game or a series of different experiences for little girls and their grown-ups. And we're going to be, you can sign up for, to be on our email list. Mm-hmm. And in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, we're going to be doing some really interesting um, market research. We want to co-create whatever this technology looks like with our girls and our grown-ups. So if you sign up and in, are in on our email list, of course, you'll, you'll hear about anything that we have going on, but we'll also reach out to you if you want to be part of that focus group and you want to share, you know, what you think is important and what's, what's, what's your point of pain if you're a mom, for example, about talking to your little girl about this or what do you wish you had known when you were 10, 11, 12 about your body? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what do you think is the most important thing for your daughter to learn that she's not getting from someone else? And, you know, how do you access information about your own body? Right. Um, and, and so that's the kind of thing that um, would be really great for us. And then once we have a prototype, so something that they can download from the app store directly from us, we'll ask them to play with it and give us their thoughts and their feedback. And that's really, really helpful to us. That's how we start the revolution. You know, we say we want to change the world one pelvic floor at a time. But in this case, we want to change it 100,000 pelvic floors <laughs> at a time.
1: Yeah, I I can see that just having the conversation of mm-hmm. speaking about below the belt mm-hmm. would be difficult for some women because right. out of their they're not accustomed to doing this. They've never been experienced to this. So, is there baby steps that you might say for them to start? I mean, start early. That's the secret. Right. Start early when they don't. It's like you can make any mistake, and they'll just love you and right. go on. But right. um, I think it's important, some guidance that you could say.
2: Sure. Well, I, I would say two things. I would say the reason we wrote the book is exactly this issue. So how do you make it comfortable for the conversation to start? Well, you have to have something to talk about. So anything that you can get from us, any the materials, the pamphlets, the anything, will have – an info info nugget or two, mm-hmm. and if it's part of the normal conversation, it's not so scary, but it can give you some guidance you know pick up a pick up the book and read a page with your daughter or a chapter mm-hmm. um give it to her and just let her sit it let it sit around the house mm-hmm. and have it be something that's no big deal. Oh, I found this really interesting book gosh there's some really cool stuff in there, and we'll leave yeah. it alone and see what she brings up yeah. um. You know, my kids like to ask me questions in the car, so sometimes I ask questions back to them. Hey, you know, I saw you read the book, you know, was there anything in there you you thought was really, that you want to talk about? Um, Just letting your daughters know that you're available, and if you don't know the answers, good heavens, they can reach out to us, they can talk to their healthcare provider, they can, you know, there's a lot of, of resources for moms, but... And, and dads, I should say dads, are important in this conversation, too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I would start there and see what they learn in the book. Your point, Joyce, was so yeah. beautiful, you know, about everybody could learn something from this book.
1: Oh, definitely. Well, I guess the starting place is, and I love the, the suggestion of reading a chapter and just kind of mm-hmm. playing with it and discussing about it, um, mm-hmm. as a great way for a mother to start because they're both basically they're both going to be learning something when they read That's one right. of your chapters so right. that would be a great way I'd say to start well
2: I would tell you that when my daughter was young and we were writing this book she was horrified that her mom was the one writing the bladder book <laughs> she was like
1: <laughs> oh mom ew!"
2: <laughs> and then she got her period at 11 Uh huh. And I sh- and she had this panic because the next day they were going to be swimming. So she wanted to have stay home from school. It was a Monday and have a tampon practice day.
1: Oh, and I, I was God.
2: very impressed at eleven that she wanted to do that. Yeah. So she gets her practicing done. <clears throat> Excuse me, and she comes back and she said, but this a panic look. But how am I going to know? Like, what if I have an accident? What if I'm at school? And so I pulled some material out of our study at the time, and we talked about cervical fluid. We talked about what is that What is that stuff you see in your underwear a lot during the month. She's like, oh, wow, Mom, this is going to be a really cool book. Like, yes. <laughs> now, I didn't know, Joyce, I was 50 years old when I wrote this book. I didn't know about cervical fluid. I didn't really understand what that was and why it showed up and how it showed up during my you know, ovulation yeah. cycle when I was ovulating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, until we got into this into this chapter around girls, actually, because, you know, menstruation is the place to start for them. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, that's really the topic that's going to be most consuming at this age, body changes and menstruation. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, start there.
1: How fascinating! If you really think about it, that our body is constantly sending us messages.
2: <laughs> right.
1: It's saying, "Okay, <laughs> right. I'm giving you this secret, this warning." Isn't that mm-hmm. amazing? We don't look at it that way at all.
2: It's no. More of a... And yeah, and and we're just not necessarily, um, you know, we're not given a lot of those tools, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, to to be mindful is so. You know important and we hear about it in so many cha- you know areas of our existence and reading and mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. so I think being mindful of your body below the belt is just another really critically important thing for a girl and how yeah. beautiful if you start it when she's ten to fourteen.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm a woman um, that my children are not in the house so mm-hmm. would we would we start? By going to our local schools to our, like an organization like Campfire or one of those Girl Scouts, and offering the books to them, is that a step that we would do?
2: Sure. I mean, we have people who have bought the books and given them to their local libraries, to their local schools. Campfire Girls are on our radar screen. We would love to get involved with them. If anyone had some creative ideas, they could reach out to me directly. Yeah. Girl Scouts, we've been involved with here in Chicago for a number of years. We've done, you know, talked at their summer camps. Mm -hmm. Um, How cool would it be if we had a pelvic health badge as a Girl Scout? Yeah!
1: Wouldn't that be (laughs) awesome? Yeah. It would
2: be. I mean, anything you can do to start the conversation is helpful and interesting. And what we find with this material is because it's so taboo and because it's so mysterious, is once you take the the candle out from under the bushel. I mean, women Mm -hmm. cannot stop talking about it. And, I'm, you know, we want to celebrate that. We want to create pelvic floor evangelists, pelvic health evangelists, champions, whatever they want to call themselves, Mm -hmm. across the country. So Mm -hmm. we say more is always good here.
1: Oh, definitely. Well, I'm even prouder of you than I was before I knew. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud of your work, Missy. I think it's uh, just life-changing. It Thank really so is. Yes. Compliments to your co-writers that were also on this book because the book is below your belt which they can get from amazon.com I assume or have they from get their website. copy? from yep, your they website. Can come,
2: they can come to our website which is belowyourbelt.org uh-huh. and get a copy there they can find it in Barnes and Noble they can get it on Amazon of course as an organization we love to have the support directly. Yes. Um, but yes. Any, it's belowyourbelt.org.
1: Yes. So I really encourage you, listeners out there, to get your own copy for you. You're mm-hmm. going to learn so much from this book. So, right. and then you're going to see the potential and the promise that it has for younger women and for friends. I mean, this might—you might even do this at your local garden club if you mm-hmm. have one organization Mm -hmm. for sure but missy i want to say thank you so much for being on the show today it's it's really been fun it's been enlightening and and i admire what you're doing it's just awesome
2: thank you joyce i am so blessed to be here and i really appreciate your interest and enthusiasm and um and just would love to keep it going
1: well, keep going because there's such a need for it. So I thank you. You go, for,
2: girl, but only when you want to, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing like a passion to keep us moving forward. So thank you for being with us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. We hope that you have found this as exciting as I did. And of course, Missy's passion in this project is evident. So I hope that you will order your book, be part of the community that helps spread the message for our young women of today and tomorrow. So, thank you for being here today. And I also want to remind you in the closing that Home uh, Hello Fresh is the way that you can get easy convenient food preparation in your homes. So, sign up and use Joyce as your code word. Till next week. We will be Talking with you
0: later. Second, wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at W.